All rise! Welcome to the Motorsports Ministry. For all your hot takes and news around the racing world, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and more. All right, congregation, take those seats. It's time for the man, the myth, the legend, the Motorsports Minister, Mr. Armani DePaul. What's going on, congregation? It's the Motor Minister Armani DePaul, and welcome to another episode of the Motorsport Ministry, the home for all the latest hot takes in the racing world. Now, I want to make a little bit of an announcement. I'm going to do the ministry a little bit different. Kind of, it's going to be more or less the same structure in the sense of I'm still going to have my topics and how I format them, but what I'm also going to do is, for now on, I'm going to indiv post individual topics. So we have about three or four topics in this episode. So what I'll be doing is I'll be posting the, the full-length episode. And I'll be posting the individual topics as individual episodes. In case, you know, you guys don't want to listen to one subject, you can listen to another. And it also puts out more content for the podcast. But... Just want to mention that. And speaking of topics, this episode I've been looking forward to for really the past couple days. Because I'm going to be talking about my experience at the Miami Grand Prix. I want to talk about Noah Gregson versus Ross Chastain. And I want to give a little bit of love to IndyCar. Because I've noticed that I don't really give that much love to uh, the top open wheel motorsport in America. So... It's about time we start changing that. But with all those, you know, with all that out of the way, let's begin. Alright, so for those of you who don't know or don't keep up with me on social media, I was at the Miami Grand Prix, well, not the actual race, but I was at the track over the weekend for doing some things, some social media work, um, got some opportunities to go on qualifying, and... I have a lot to discuss about this for a multitude of reasons. It was my first ever experience going to an F1 track. It was my first time going to the Miami International Autodrome, the official name of the track. And just, I want to talk about the experience, what it was like, you know, comparing an F1 event to a NASCAR event. And... Most importantly, and this is the one I'm looking forward to, to talking about the most, experiencing the race with a casual fan. Maybe you don't even consider them a fan. You know, just someone who's just getting into the sport, if you will. That's the one I'm looking forward to the most, but I'm going to say that one for last. But first, let's go through the timeline. So, for those of you who don't know, I am a college student at Florida Memorial University. And the only HBCU in South Florida. For those of you who don't know, historically, black college and university. And one great thing about my school is that they get a lot of opportunities. And 
it's very interesting because a lot of these opportunities are in sports. So, for example, we have connections with the Panthers, the Dolphins. We also have connections with NASCAR. And a connection I didn't know we were going to have is apparently with Formula One. But more specifically, Aston Martin. So my professor, he sends me an email and he calls me saying, Hey, we got this event going on. Aston Martin has invited us to go to the track on Thursday to talk about, you know, career opportunities in motorsports. And on top of that, give us a tour of the paddock and some free goodies as well in the process. So me, being probably the biggest motorsports fan in my school, I said, well, sign me up. That's not even a question. At the beginning, I thought that this was just going to be, okay, we're going to go over to the track, we'll get a tour, we'll get to talk to some folks, and then we go home. Then I'm looking at the emails for the roster for the students who are going. And before I even look at the list, one of the first things that pops up is an announcement that me, along with another student, are going to be doing social media work for the event. So, now, at the time, this was a complete shock to me, because I didn't even know. And I was just in, like I mentioned, a complete shock. So, at the time, so, what happened was, is that we got into a conversation with um, a bunch of guys, like Jalen Campbell, Jalen Mathis from Motorsports Culture Collective, and Brand B Sports, and also from uh, HBCU grad. So what it was is that basically I was going to be documenting the experience on my Instagram, which is my first and last name at Armani DePaul, and, you know, interviewing students, interviewing people, just a bunch of things just to, you know, promote content. And I was down for that. It's an opportunity. I'm not going to pass that up. So the fascinating thing is that the other student, they kind of split us up into two. The other student who got the opportunity as well, along with myself, she was the ambassador for HBCU grad. So she was basically representing HBCUs. Me, I think because they noticed, because when we had our little Zoom meeting, I was wearing a NASCAR shirt, and I was wearing a Rolex 24 hat. They made me the ambassador for Formula One, Motorsport Culture Collective, and Aston Martin. So I could put on my resume that I was an ambassador for Aston Martin and Formula One. That's huge. And that was just incredible. So we get to the track. I'm doing social media work for them. I'm interviewing a couple of interviewing a couple other students. My buddy, Caden Mobley-Kelly, who's also my iRacing teammate, along with some other friends of ours. I interviewed them just to so, you know what they're looking forward to, to the event, this and that. So then we get to the track. And number one, they had to give us a shirt because they didn't really have passes. So they had to give us a shirt to necessarily say, here's your pass. Then they gave us a free Aston Martin hat. Now, if you guys don't know how much those Aston Martin hats cost, well, really Formula One hats in general. Let me just say this. At the track, they cost almost $100. So we got a near $100 hat for free. That alone, that alone would have just made my day right there. But of course the day continued. And they gave us a tour. 
We met some Aston Martin representatives, and they gave us a tour around the track, and we went straight to the paddock. And let me tell you something. To be in a paddock for Formula 1, I've been in NASCAR garages, but to be in an F1 paddock just feels completely different. You have equipment everywhere. You get to see the front wings in person. You get to see the steering wheels, the tires, everything they use in person. It's just such an, a surreal experience. And, you know, the cars themselves are honestly pretty small. They're not as big as I thought they would be. That was also fascinating. But then in the process, we also got to, like I mentioned, interview some folks. So there was a panel. And it had, obviously, Mr. Campbell in there. It had a, it had a um, representative of Cognizant named Stewart. And it also had Don Fellows, technical director for Aston Martin. That was incredible. I actually got to interview both Stewart and Don Fellows. And the question I had for Don Fellows was, what was it like going from Sebastian Vettel to Alonso? From one all-time great to another all-time great. That was a quote. That was an answer I just had to get, and I believe the interview is still on social media. If not, I'll try to post it soon. And then we also got to meet a W Series driver and Aston Martin Reserve driver Jessica Hawkins. So, one thing I want to hit home about is okay, I'm documenting the experience, but I want you guys to know how difficult. It is to even set foot in a paddock. If some NASCAR fans out there who listen to this thinks that it's hard just to get in the garage in terms of getting a hot pass or a VIP pass, imagine that for Formula One times a thousand. Unless you got probably six to seven figures or you're that much of an icon, they're not going to let common folk in the garage or in the paddock. That opportunity that I got, I wouldn't be surprised if I never got it again. Simply because of how hard and how exclusive it is. Like, I'm not joking, folks. Like, to get that opportunity to even just remotely go in the paddock is an experience that very, and I mean very few people get to have. So just, let's just say this, when I went back to the track on Saturday, I would have no shot to get back in the paddock. Not even close. So that was Thursday. Now let's move on to Saturday, which Saturday, you know, had some rumblings that maybe I'd get an opportunity to go, maybe not. I was trying to work some things out. So I'm in the simulator, and my buddy, my boss, Hoptom, SID for school, he texts me and he sends me a voicemail saying that he got tickets to go into the track for qualifying. So, I'm not kidding when I say this. I'm running top five in iRacing at Kansas. I pulled down on the backstretch. I quit the race and I ran to my car to go to the track. And I've documented this a million times, but my school's really five minutes away from the track. So, I go do that and we go over to the track. Now, the first time I went there, I was experiencing it more as for social media work and just exclusive opportunities. Now I'm getting to experience it more as a casual fan. And speaking of casuals, this is where I want to get into 
what I talked about before, experience it with a casual fan. Matt ID, he's not he knows who Lewis Hamilton is, he knows who Max Verstappen is, but I think even he wouldn't argue he's a casual fan. He doesn't know the intricates of motorsport like someone like me would. So not only for my experience to, you know, go around the track was amazing or to go around the facility was amazing, but to see his experience as well. He was just in awe, especially when we saw the cars on track, when he was seeing the drivers, how, you know, just the noise, everything going on. He was in utter shock and he was in awe. <laughs> I don't think he's going to deny that. And here's another thing. It's very similar to when I took one of my friends a couple years ago to his first NASCAR race. This guy, he'll tell you he will never watch a NASCAR race on TV. But anytime I give him the opportunity to go to a NASCAR race in person, he will take it if he has if he's able to. And it's kind of the same thing. Because to me, you want the best experience in auto racing, really in general. If you want the best sports experience, you have to go in person. But racing, it hits different. Because in football and everything, you still get that hype. But in racing, just to experience the G4, well, not really the G-Force, but just the cars passing by, the sound, the environment, the atmosphere. It's so much of a different vibe than going to a football game compared to watching it on TV. It's completely different. If you really want to hook a fan into motorsports, you got to take them to a race in person. You can't have them watch it on TV. I've learned that from experience. So that's one thing I want to mention is that, again, just seeing just a casual, which I feel bad alluding to him as just a casual, but, you know, my boy who is a casual fan, just to see his experience. You know, I was talking about, you know, I was even asking him, I even documented a little bit on social media just for myself, asking him, what is it like being here? And he was amazed, just the diversity of people, obviously because it's an international event, but, you know, just the experience, everything that goes on, even he was just comparing the difference between NASCAR and Formula One, because, and we'll get to that now, matter of fact, this felt completely different from a NASCAR race, let me tell you. Really, it came down to the vibe. Now, before I mention anything, I don't want to say, I'm not going to say that one race, one experience is better, one is not. I mean, NASCAR, I've like, I've been to seven or eight races, so I have a little bit more of a sample size than F1, but none of them are bad. So with NASCAR, it's very much a, it feels more, you know, like, I don't want to say necessarily, it feels more for true motorsport fans. Like, the people walking around, you can feel, do understand the sport that they're in. It feels more like a motorsport event. For the casual. There is also a lot of party elements as well. But it feels like a casual motorsport event. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. It's still a surreal experience. Formula One, when I went to Miami, it was still a motorsport event, but it felt more like a giant party, if you will, that just so happens to have a motorsport race thrown into it. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. 
I mean, it's a completely different experience, and I mean, it was still amazing. Now, are the majority of people there, are they massive F1 fans? I'd say so. I, I'd say so. Especially if you're coming around from around the world, you gotta, you're gotta. you not going to go from, let's say, Italy over to Miami to not know what you're going to. But a lot of people there, you know, it felt very, you can feel what people mean by F1 is very elitist and exclusive and NASCAR is more casual consumer. You felt that in the vibe between, you could feel that when you go to a NASCAR race and when you go to an F1 race. At least that's how I felt. But again, none of that is a bad thing. It's just a new experience. And it's an experience that I think anyone, if you have the opportunity, should go and experience. But just to really feel just the contrast and to see the contrast and to experience the contrast between a NASCAR and an F1 race or an event, because I didn't really go to the race on Sunday, but was mind-blowing to me. I knew there would probably be some differences, some similarities, but that difference was completely unreal. So to conclude this segment, I just want to, number one, explain how incredibly grateful I was, I am, for the experience that I was able to get. And really two different experiences. The experience of more professional courtesy going to the event while also still geeking out over all the Formula One stuff I'm seeing. And number two, going in as just a traditional race fan. Both of those experiences were incredible. And I want to give a shout out to everyone. Jalen Campbell, you know, Motorsports Culture Collective, Brand B Sports, everyone. I just want to give a shout out, thank you to everyone who made that experience just incredible. Shout out to one of the coaches at my school for another opportunity that we got at the Miami Grand Prix on Saturday. Just shout out to everyone, Aston Martin, Formula One, everyone who gave us the opportunities on Thursday and on Saturday. It was a surreal experience and I'll never forget it to experience the race or the event from two different perspectives, for all the interviews, the social media work I got to do, to experience it with you know, a very good friend of mine, getting to see someone who's not really into the sport that well, experience it as well, just everything in general, it was a great opportunity, and I mean, I can't thank you guys enough, it was a surreal experience to go to the Miami Grand Prix weekend. All right. Enough about Formula One for right now. Let's talk about the NASCAR race because, boy, howdy, was there a lot to talk about from that race. But I'm going to talk about one thing. Yes, I could talk about the Denny Hamlin and or the Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson incident, even though as a Larson fan, I, I told my teammate the next day, I was like, Denny Hamlin can uh, go kiss my butt. Let's just say that. <laughs> Me as the biased Larson fan, though, I know it was just good hard racing. There's a lot of things to talk about. We could talk about the record lead changes, but I think the number one thing everyone, of course, was talking about is Ross Chastain versus Noah Gregson at the end of the race. If you guys don't know, Noah Gregson went over to Ross Chastain, grabbed him by the fire suit, 
Chastain then clocked Gregson in the jaw, and then basically a mini-fight broke out, but Gregson never really had a shot to repay the punch. The reason that happened is because coming out of four, I guess Chastain was a little bit tight, nearly drove Gregson into the wall. I believe he actually did throw Gregson into the wall. And on top of that, Gregson then went down on the track to basically sideswipe him. Now, Gregson mentioned he didn't want to take out Chastain just because he had too much respect for Justin Marks, Chastain's team owner from Trackhouse. Then why'd you take a sideswipe at Chastain? I mean, that sideswipe goes wrong, then the one car is wrecked. And you screwed over the guy behind, I believe it was Bubba Wallace, trying to chase, chase down Chastain. So I've mentioned it before on the podcast, I believe even last week I mentioned this, where Ross Chastain, there's no reason for him to change because no one's doing anything. No one, to give him credit, tried to do something. He confronted Chastain, he was ready to throw hands with Chastain, and had the security guard not gotten in the way, he probably would have, you know, connected at least one shot with Ross. It's fair to say that. But here's one thing I want to say. And this is more towards Noah. We'll get to Chastain in a second. If you're going to put your hands on somebody, especially if it's in an aggressive manner, if you're walking toward someone in a confrontational manner, you put your hands on him, what do you expect that guy to do? Do you expect him to just take it? Or you think he's going to start throwing hands? I'm pretty sure he's going to start throwing hands. If you put your hand on anybody, they're more than likely going to get ready to throw a shot at you. Especially because Chastain literally warned Gregson twice. He said, stop it, stop it. He gave Gregson a shot. Gregson didn't listen, and Chastain then swung the punch. So if Noah, I get it, you're frustrated at Ross Chastain. The entire garage is frustrated at Ross Chastain. No one is saying that you shouldn't go out and confront him. Hell, most of the fans encouraged it. They were, they were happy to see it. But the problem is, again, if you're going to go in there and basically make Ross Chastain... Ross Chastain still won out at the end of it. Because look at the optics. Noah went to Chastain. Understandable. Noah was the first one to put his hands on Chastain. He didn't throw a punch. He just grabbed him by the... By the shirt, by the fire suit. Chastain was staying calm. Chastain looked like the rational. Noah came out looking like, you know, the guy who's out of control. Chastain gave him a warning. So at that point, Ross Chastain is basically acting out of self-defense. He's like, okay, I warned this guy. He's getting more and more aggressive. I'm going to swing at him. If that's the only way to get him off me, if that's the only way to protect me, then so be it. And, I mean, you if you watch the video, it sounded like Ross got Gregson pretty good in the jaw. Then Gregson tried going even further, but of course the security guard broke it up. Which, to everyone saying the security guard should have let them fight, you, you guys know that's his job, right? To make sure that the drivers don't hurt each other off the track to make sure there aren't any fights. So, 
to those who are getting mad at the security guard, that's literally his job is to do that. So, this is another instance, in my opinion, where Chastain comes out on top. And I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, once again, Chastain, he had a pretty good day. He's the points leader, still. In fact, he extended his points lead because Christopher Bell wrecked out. Chastain finished fifth. He got a top five out of it. Noah Gregson, he's 32nd of points. I know his equipment isn't the greatest in the world, but he's still 32nd of points. That's, that's just the facts. It's just the numbers from the optics. That's just what it is. So Chastain gets a top five. Gregson, you know, he's still 32nd of points. Chastain's still the points leader. And Chastain's the one who got the only sh meaningful shot in the altercation. And again, Chastain was acting out of self-defense. Now, what could have Noah done differently? He should have started... I mean, if you're Noah in that point, I feel like you're the two things need to happen. Number one, you gotta swing right out of the gate. Do what Kyle Busch did with Joey Logano at Las Vegas in 2017. He didn't wait. He didn't grab onto his shirt. He just started swinging. If you're going to confront a guy expecting to fight, then get it out of the way. I don't know if Gregson was just trying to wait for, you know, an opportunity to make Chastain look like the bad guy because he swung first, but it backfired. The only way something like that would work is you, you yourself have to look calm. You have to make the other guy look bad. Gregson did the exact opposite. He made himself look like the irrational and Chastain looked like... I just got to protect myself. What else do you want me to do? Again, if someone's putting their hands on you, what do you expect them to do? Now, of course, the fight, it goes viral. NASCAR's post about it on Twitter got, I think it's like at almost 3 million views, if not more at this point. The image of Denny Hamlin replaying the fight in the media center after the win. That face went viral. Joey Logano sipping on his Coke, watching the fight. That went viral. Chase Elliott saying someone's got to do it in reference to going after Ross Chastain. That went viral. This is good for the sport. Don't get me wrong. You know, people like to compare NASCAR to like the WWE or even since football. But in a lot of ways, I'd say it's like hockey. Very aggressive. No, no bars given. Everyone's giving it their all. And if you piss someone off enough, they're going to go out there and start swinging fists at you. Which, people came out saying that NASCAR needs to have fight rules similar to hockey, which, hey, if that helps the sport, I'm all for it. Because, I mean, let's be honest here. Fights also help with the sport. 1979 Daytona 500. 2017 Las Vegas. Just for a couple examples. But, yes, Ross Chastain does come out as the victor on top of this, you know, in general. And Chastain is... I know Chastain hasn't won in a year. And I believe I alluded to that in last week's episode about Chastain, but I think he's getting close. He's had winning speed at Dover and Kansas. We're going to Darlington. He's keeping up the momentum. I think Ross Chastain is going to sneak in a couple wins before the season ends, and we like to say that Ross Chastain hasn't won in a year, but I mean, if you're leaving the points, I think that makes up for it. Hey, he hasn't, he's picking up right where he left off. He's still ahead. Is he going to, I guess, be taught a lesson, if you will? Is that what everyone's saying? Who knows? We got the rest of the season to find out. But it was big. Someone finally decided to confront Chastain. Unfortunately, 
it didn't end the way a lot of people probably would have liked. Ross Chastain still came out on top. Noah Gregson came out, you know, with the short end of the stick. But it's still good for the sport. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone liked it. And hey, now we move on to Darlington. And with a track as aggressive and as tricky as Darlington, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a confrontation involving the one on pit road once we head to the Goodyear 400 on Sunday. All right, I want to end this episode off giving a little bit of love to IndyCar. I feel like it comes, I've come across as a little bit of an IndyCar hater, and that's not the case at all. I, I love IndyCar. I really do. It's great racing, and they've had a fantastic four or five races to open up the season. So we're going to keep the love, and I'm going to show you guys my love by, I want to give you guys a month of May schedule for IndyCar. Obviously, we have the race at Barber, which you can argue open up the month of May for IndyCar, but let's be honest, the month of May really starts for IndyCar when they head over to Indianapolis for the Indy 500. So, IndyCar doesn't really have, you know, a lot of events going on in the month of May. It's really just the Grand Prix of Indianapolis and the Indy 500. However, those are the biggest events of their season, and you can make an argument, the biggest events in motorsports. So let's start things off with the GMR Grand Prix, which in my opinion is the real opener to the month of May for IndyCar. The GMR Grand Prix racing for the first time out of two times for the IndyCar schedule racing at the IMS road course. So let's start off with practice one. Practice one for the race starts on Friday at 9.30 a.m., which is honestly pretty early for a practice looking at look thinking about it right now so hey you want your early morning motorsports fix you got a practice to watch you just got to get peacock which is only about like seven eight bucks a month so it's not even that bad may 12th 9 30 a.m then later on in the day for practice two at 1 p.m for the race and don't think the day is over folks at 4 p.m First round of qualifiers. 20 minutes later, you got round two, and then qualifying ends at 5 p.m. to get the poll for the GMR Grand Prix. So, folks, once again, you get in a whole day, you got a whole day worth of content at the track from 9.30 a.m. to 5 p.m., from practice to qualifying. You'll be at the track all day. Don't think that there's nothing to do on the track. Or to watch on track. Then May 13th at 11.15 you have the warm-ups. Before finally the big race. May 13th at 3.30pm at the track. Again, what I would consider the true opener to the month of May for IndyCar. But that's just an appetizer. Let's get to the main entree for the month of May for IndyCar. Which is of course the 107th running of the Indianapolis 500. So... You guys like practice? Practice galore. Starting off on May 16th from 9 a.m. to 3 o'clock. You got two practice sessions. Practice 1 starts at 9 a.m. Practice 2 starts at 3 p.m. So you got a lot, again, another day where you're going to be at the track pretty much all day. You got all day's worth of content. Especially because for the next couple days, May 17th, 12 p.m. for practice 3. Practice 4, May 18th, 12 p.m. Practice 5, May 19th, 12 p.m. And the final practice, 
the same day of qualifiers, where qualifying begins, May 20th at 8.30 p.m., the final practice pre-qualifying for the 107th running of the great race. Day one of qualifications, 11 a.m. You're going to start to get an idea who's going to... Again, we have bump day, folks. One car is going to go home. Remember, there are no provisionals. There are no charters. So you got to qualify. you got to make the event. And we've seen it in the past. James Hinchcliffe, Fernando Alonso, just to name a few. Big-name drivers will miss this event. So keep that in mind. So like I mentioned, May 20th at 11 a.m., first day of qualifications begin. Then you got practice 7, May 21st at 11.30 a.m. Then same day, 2 p.m., top 12 for qualifying. Who's going to make it into the top 12? Then, which, looking at the schedule now, I really like this, the last chance qualifier and the fast six are both on the big NBC. I know I didn't mention, I haven't mentioned a lot about where it's going to be put on, but it's going to be on some form of NBC, either on Peacock or the big one. The fact that NBC is putting the last chance qualifier, who's going to go home, who's going to make the event, and the fast six on the big network, I think that's huge. It's a big deal. They're treating it as a big deal, and I like that. So last chance, May 21st at 4 p.m. before the Fast 6 as to who's going to get the poll for the Indy 500 just an hour later at 5 p.m. Again, these are all Eastern time. Then you have the fi- then you have practice 8, May 22nd at 1 p.m., so the next day. Before final practice, two days before the big event, May 26th at 11 a.m., and then you have the big race itself, May 28th at 12.30 p.m. We'll have a lot more content as to exactly, you know, who I think are going to be the favorites. We'll talk a lot about each specific driver going into the event, the storylines, all that stuff. We'll go deeper to that as we get later on into the month. But for now, I want to give you guys just a little bit of a preview of what to expect for the month of May for not only the biggest month for IndyCar, but for motorsports as a whole. We'll talk more about Monaco. We'll talk more about the Coke 600 later on, but... Considering that I would say this is truly the month of IndyCar, I wanted to treat it as such. And I want to give them their due diligence. So that is your month of May preview for the IndyCar season. And that's going to put this episode to a close. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thank you guys so much as always. Make sure you guys follow us, like, subscribe, all that good stuff on Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon, and Anchor as well. If you guys want to follow me on my social medias, you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at Motor Minister, or I guess I'll promote my Instagram now as well, Armani DePaul as well. That's on my Instagram. I do have some content there as well. Not a lot of motorsports content, but there are some here and there. But once again, you guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in as always, and we will see you in the next one.